Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. All right. Hello, everyone. Good morning. I love that. So um, I'm very excited to be here, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to stand before you and deliver the message that God has put in my heart. So as you all know, you know, I'm not really a preacher. I don't know why y'all call me a pastor. (laughs) But I know for a fact that I'm a worship leader. I know for a fact that I'm I'm a child of God, and I have a testimony. And I guess... That's why I'm here. And I was also told this is like an introductory preaching. So y'all can get to know me. So for starters, let me introduce myself. So actually, my name is Juki. But my full name is Julian Claire Espiritu Torrefranca Simpson. That is 40 letters. So yes, the government, the government hates my name, putting it in IDs. I am currently 24 years old, and I will be 25 in June. Mid, you know, what do you call the quarter life crisis coming in, and I would love some gifts to uh, to fix that. I am also 6'2 in my renewed body in heaven. I am 6'2 in heaven. Um, I am happily married to Pastor Daniel Simpson, who is 6'2, and. I am also the youth director here in Aurora Cornerstone. (laughs) Um, Outside the church, I am a vocal teacher. So, you know, I I really like singing and stuff. And I also graduated from Canada Christian College. Actually, that's where I met Pastor Daniel. Um, Oh, and BJ goes there. (laughs) And I love food. Just no vegetables. I am a pastor's kid, so I basically grew up in church. Uh, Yeah, we had a home church until I think as early as eight years old, I have been serving in our home church. But when I turned 12, my family, we moved into our, um, the big chapel church. (laughs) And so we we, we moved back. And since then, um, I've been serving. I have been worship leading since I am 13. And I have been on leadership roles in my church when I was 14. So that was like kind of like the record in our church. Only because I'm like super enthusiastic about to our pastor. I'm like, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so I think he loved me for doing that. And yeah, that's a little bit of my background. And another thing that you guys uh, would like to know, and I would like you to know, is that I'm a big believer of young leaders because I have been one, and I'm a big believer of women. Like, I love women. Oh, women. I also love men, don't worry. <laughs> but I have a special heart towards the women, and I love reading about the women of the Bible, only because, you know, culturally, in the times of the Bible, women aren't so seen. It's, it's a very patriarchal culture, and, you know, we live in a world right now where, where, you know, like, women are trying to fight for it. But then I love how God is super duper interested and is super duper involved in our lives. Because through the scripture, I see a representation of myself as a woman. Young and old. And I'm always so amazed on how vital the roles of the women are in the progression of our salvation. And that's... That's not a thing that a lot of us do here because, you know, the enemy wants us that. But I know our world, we fight for equality. But in reality, God already had that put in place. So I just want to share that. So as I speak about the women of the Bible, I will also speak about one person from the scripture who is my favorite in the Bible. So let me share to you my favorite woman, Miriam. There you go, Miriam. 
I first did a deep dive on her, on her story um, in, in, on the scripture when I was 14 years old. And since then, her story just kind of like stuck with me. I saw a lot of similarities between us. You know, Miriam, she is the first ever recorded worship leader. So I, I know we don't do Halloweens back home, but we do like dress up. And I always dress up as Miriam with a tambourine because she's the first ever recorded worship leader. She actually led the Israelites to worship as they passed through the Red Sea. Like how amazing is that? And... Um, she is a leader amongst her people. She actually is a prophetess in their camp. She, just like me, is also a sinner. And like me, God also dealt with her. Our redemption, redemption moment, if you will. So today, I will talk about Miriam as the point of our message. Is that cool? Well, you guys have no choice. <laughs> so, what can we learn from Miriam? Before we proceed... I'd like to share this little thing that the youth ministry and I are learning together. And I am so confident that whatever youth, well, like from last week, like our youth, you ask them, they'll be able to teach you how to do this. So together we are learning about SOAP. SOAP is a, a Bible study method. And SOAP is scripture. It means S-O-A-P, scripture observation, application, and prayer. So this morning, I will, I will take you through the word using the SOAP method. And just to show our youth ministry as well, that it's really, really effective. And so if you are new to our faith, and or you want to start your personal Bible study, I suggest using the SOAP method can help you get started. And if you want to ask about it, you can talk to me and you can talk to any of the youth of this church. I am confident they'll be able to tell you how it goes. So without further ado, let us begin. So, so we will start with our scripture in Numbers. So everyone, if you may please rise up as we give reverence to the word of God. And I will be reading from Numbers chapter 12 and we'll be doing New International Version. So this is a little bit lengthy, but but bear with me. So let us all read. Numbers 12, 1 to 16. Together, 1, 2, 3. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? They asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words, when there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my house. With him, I speak face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Please, God, heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on till she was brought back. After that, the people left Hazaroth and encamped in the desert of Paran. Let us pray all together. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Lord, thank you for your word. God, thank you that in every page of your word, in every page of the Bible, we can see your character. We can see your sovereign hand. We can see your faithfulness and we can see your goodness. And God, as we go through your word this morning, we ask for the Holy Spirit to come here and fill us. We ask you to help us open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears. Help us to humble ourselves. God, may the things that you reveal to us this morning will not just be words, will not just be realizations, but a push to move forward and a push to seek your will. God, we believe in your moving today. We are open, move however you want to move, say whatever you want to say, and change whatever you want to change. We are open. In Jesus' name, amen. You may all be seated. Whew. Okay, so a little context to what we just read. So at this time, the Israelites are on their journey to the promised land. Moses just married a Kikushite woman. And in our, in my research, I was kind of like asking, like, what is so wrong about marrying a Kikushite woman? And then in my research, it showed, um, I, I learned that a Kikushite woman is not necessarily one of them. Um, she is from, a, a, they are, a Kushite is, a, is from the tribe of Kush, which is kind of today's term is an Ethiopian woman. So that's the equivalence of it today. So I guess during this time, it is not a norm to kind of like marry outside of your race. And, you know, like a biracial couple. And I believe so, the same way it is today, they're getting some sticky looks. Moses and, Moses and her, his wife are getting some sticky looks. And of course, Moses' siblings are not fond of this. That's why Miriam and Aaron questioned Moses' decision. And they also questioned his position. That is the context of why they're like, oh, but didn't like God talk to us too? And now I understand that. And with that understanding, you know, it kind of like made me understand that why they're like, aren't you like our leader? Why would you do something like this? Like... And it kind of gave me a little bit of a PTSD. <laughs> I don't know what's the term for it. But like, it gave me this like realization that this thing still happens to our churches today. That this attitude that we still see is that we're imposing our own standards and our own ideologies to the church leaders, to the church members, and to the church. And that's not the way to go. As we can see later on in our scripture. Anyways, while Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses, God heard it and he called three of them. And I also love how when God called them in verse five, it says that God went down <clears throat> on a pillar of cloud. So it means that the matter here is very personal, that God went down on a pillar of cloud. It's, it's very personal that God himself went to speak with them. And you know, the rest is history. We saw that after that, God struck Miriam with leprosy. Aaron saw it. He apologized for his actions. And then Moses pleaded to God to heal Miriam. And towards the end, we see the resolution that Miriam was quarantined and moved outside their camp. And the Israelites watched, Miriam's, uh, watched Miriam experience God outside the camp. And, you know, like when, whenever we would read this, and I'm pretty sure a lot of us have kind of passed through this verse... When, whenever I would see like, oh, Miriam was quarantined outside the camp, we kind of like think about like, oh, that's kind of like her punishment for talking against and manipulating whatever. But to me, so, and I just want to share this to you, just to me, it shows God's holiness. It shows God's holiness because like a lot of us, and if you remember from our holiness series, a lot of us have our own version of God. And we think that, oh, let me do this and I'll just apologize. Because we only see our, our God as our Lord and Savior, but we forgot just the Savior. And then we only, we kind of forgot about the Lord. And that's where his holiness goes in. And I just want to let you know that every actions that we make has a consequence. 
because it's character it's the character of God to be holy so never be complacent never be you know I'll just apologize I'll just repent I'll just do this I'll just do that never be complacent because God is loving and God is merciful remember that he is holy and he is loving anyways so I just want to share that so what can we observe from this story so we can see that Moses, Miriam, and Aaron are all leaders, right? We can observe that they all have different roles. We can see that while Moses is very humble, his siblings, though, they grew pride in their hearts. They started comparing themselves to Moses, and they compared their callings to Moses, which is very clear in verse 2 when they started asking, why don't, don't God talk to us too? Why, why does he get special special weight from the Lord and they started comparing callings the, their prideful heart did not only cause them to question Moses's integrity but also to judge Moses for having a Cushite wife they thought that they were better and should also receive the same kind of calling or role as or or role as Moses or not even like a better role than Moses because they believe that you know this this leader is kind of like weird because he did something out of our norm. And that's pride. Their, pride. their prideful heart also led them to sin by simply gossiping and manipulating the people around them. We can also observe that God has casted his judgment on Miriam and Aaron. But only Miriam got the disease. Didn't you guys like? wonder why is it that why is Aaron kind of saved from that well when I was looking for answers and in my research I learned that Miriam was actually the one for who first talked against Moses so if we read the scripture it says Miriam and Aaron but culturally the man should always go first so now it implies that Miriam is the first one to influence Aaron in this and God knew, and God knew that, that she's the one who influenced Aaron. And we can see later on that Aaron is very influenced, like easily influenced. Like throughout the scriptures, um, and as we read through the Old Testament, we can see that Aaron is very easily influenced. And another interesting that I would like to take note is in verse 15. Can we kind of pull back on verse 15, if that's possible? If not possible, that's okay. Because it said there that Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days. And the people did not move on till she was brought back. So there are two things that God showed to me in this verse. One is that God is very serious about the things that we do. About the things that we commit around us. And the things that we do will not move forward and progress if we remain in sin. So God is very serious about us sinning. Because I mean, you know, like if you come to think of it in today's term, there's a lot of like Miriams and Aaron's in churches who talk back against the pastor who spread lies, right? So why is it such a big deal that Miriam did that? And she was confined outside the camp. She got leprosy and everything. Because we think that there are small and big sins. But the truth is they're all sin is God. And God is very serious about that. And that's what we can see for Miriam being confined. And the second is that our actions do not only affect ourselves. It affects the people around us. Literally, the people of Israel did not move and had to put their journey on hold because Miriam had sinned. So this later on proves that as Israelites are disobedient, we know that they're promised to just be passing through for 40 days. But how many years till they found the promised land? 40 years. A 40-day journey became 40 years. Our sin and our actions, if it's done in disobedience, it causes us to delay. So, you know, maybe if you're waiting for something from God and you've been praying for so long, maybe there's something we have to look inward to.
Maybe there is something that we are not being obedient or only being half obedient to. So, yes. What can we learn from this passage? What can we learn from Miriam's experience? So I'm just going to dive into it. And I made it very easy for us to remember the things that we can learn. We can learn it using the three Ps. So let me talk about the three Ps. The first P is pride. As we look at Miriam and Aaron, we can see that pride overcame them at the moment. They were not vigilant enough to see that their pride took over and almost destroyed a man. I am pretty sure when Aaron, when Miriam and Aaron felt that jealousy, that envy, they were not very um, malicious about it. I don't think they want to hurt Moses just like that. But because the schemes of the enemy, it creeps into us. The same way pride crept into their lives. They did, and it took over them because they were not vigilant enough. So, what can we learn? We take a look at ourselves and look at the areas of our lives where pride reigns. Um, Miriam compared callings because she wanted her life her way. Correct? That's, that's what we see there. She wanted to become like Moses or even better than Moses. That's pride. She wants her life her own way. Some of us do the same. We compare ourselves to others and we manipulate things in our lives to have things our way. Some of this maliciously, some of this unconsciously. So instead of doing so, we should be vigilant and be aware where pride and sometimes envy takes place. That's why it's important that we keep a daily prayer life, asking God to reveal things seen and unseen. Because pride in these things, as human, this, these things are not natural for us to see. It's not natural for us to see. And so we ask God to do that. And, you know, we look at Moses. He is obedient and he is humble. And so do we. We should be obedient and we should be humble. If we do not purge pride in our lives every day, it will definitely creep into every part of our lives. It will affect what you do. It will affect who you are. It will affect how you talk. It will make you blind from what God wants you to do and what God wants you to have. We have to be on guard at all times, church. Purging your pride is also not a one-time thing. It's a constant decision that we have to do every living, breathing moment that we have. There is a reason why King Solomon said in Proverbs 4.23 to guard your heart above all else. Because if we allow pride, if we allow envy, if we allow jealousy and we're not vigilant about these things and they start reigning in our lives, everything else will fall because our hearts are the wellspring of life. So there is wisdom in there. We got to be careful. We got to be on guard at all times because it is the wellspring of our life. And you know, I am not an exception to this. When I was young, I highly inhibited a main character attitude. And you know, I'm a PK. As I said, I'm a pastor's kid. You know, I can sing. I am a leader at a very early age. I can do a lot of things. Yada, yada. And literally whole main character vibe. Pride is definitely reigning in my life at those moments. And I know that for a fact. I just disguised it as, no, I'm just pastor's kid, you know, or I'm just a church leader. Or no, this is just, this is just me being confident. This is just me. And because of this, I actually thought that I was doing well. And I was doing great, you know, because people, people doesn't really see pride in me. They, I can be like, oh, glory to God. <laughs> oh, thank you. The Lord gave it to me and stuff like that. You know, y'all know that, Christianese. And because of this, I had an internal struggle. And I didn't know that this is a struggle. I actually thought that I could plan and take care of myself. I can plan for my life. I remember being 15, and this is not a joke. This is, 
I wrote, I had a big paper and I wrote, I wrote a life map. And I said, at this time, I'm in this university, at this time of the year, I'll be graduating with this, I'll be enrolling in this, or I'll be having a boyfriend, I'll be getting married. I said, I'll be getting married at 33. <laughs> I'm far from that. And, you know, I, I really thought that I could plan my life and I could take care of myself. One of my hand is lifted in surrender, you know, like this. But the other hand is working and making sure that things go as planned. So you know what I said about being half obedient? That was it. You know, I always say that, God, I trust you. I allow your will into my life. But the truth is only in a few parts of it. So things are going according to my plan. You know, when I was still back in the Philippines, I got into my dream university. I got into my dream program. And then a little bit of mishap. My mom was like, no, you're going to Canada. I'm like, I was sad. But I'm like, you know what? It's okay because it means I get a better education. And so when I got here to Canada, I actually got into my dream university. I wanted to go to University of Toronto. And I got into University of Toronto. I got into my dream program as a specialist in political science. So at that time, too, I was in a relationship, which I thought was it. Sorry, it's not you yet. <laughs> and I had a job, you know, that I thought is enough to keep me going till school is done. Because in my, my mind, I just need a part-time job to get things going. And I'm also dating, so I kind of want to go out. And, and I'm like, okay, as soon as I graduate... I'm going to get this job, I'm, I'm going to apply for this, I'm going to become like this, I'm going to become like that. I had it all planned. And for a Christian, actually, and at that time I was also in ministry. So for a Christian who preaches surrender, I was not very surrendered. And maybe now I realize I was this way because I did not fully understand who my God is. I was unable to trust him fully because I made a version of God that only fits my desired narrative. And maybe, church, you are this way in your life too. Maybe you have created a version of God that fits your narrative and your wants. Your pride of wanting to have things your way blinded you of who, of who truly God is. Your pride makes you believe that you can do it on your own strength. Your pride made you believe that you can put God in the sidelines. And just like Miriam, some of us desire a life that we want full control over. That is why we are willing or sometimes unconsciously do things to have things favor our way so this morning I would like you all to take a look inward and ask God are there things in my life that is keeping me from seeing you from seeing your will in my life God is there a life that I'm trying to achieve and do and God is it your will and how can we move past this? How can we be effective when, you know, God has revealed to you? Yeah, you have, you have this, you have that. How can we move past this and how can we do this effectively? We can do this effectively by following Jesus and taking up our cross daily. To purge our pride every day, we have to choose Jesus every day also. It is easier said than done. But we have to pursue and we have to work hard for this. As Timothy said so. The amazing thing about it is if you have Jesus, he comes with a package. He also has the Holy Spirit to go with you, before you, beside you, behind you. And help you succeed in this. How amazing is that, eh? That's amazing. That's amazing. And that's something to praise God for today. The second P is punishment. So we saw that pride, we saw that in verses 3 to 5. 
Now we saw punishment in verses 9 to 10. We saw that God casted his judgment on Miriam by giving her leprosy. And if y'all don't know, but I'm pretty sure you guys know, leprosy is a disease that eats your flesh from the inside out. So it makes you look like zombie-ish. And ironically, this sickness did not only shook Miriam physically about how serious her offense is, but it also revealed the issues of her heart. Literally coming from inside out. Wow. And you know, all of us have our own sicknesses as well that God has allowed us to experience because all of us, like Miriam, has issues in our hearts and in our lives that needs to be addressed. I believe that God allows these things to happen to give us a wake-up call because sometimes we're too deep, too deaf, too blind, or too prideful. We need to see what is in our hearts things that needs to be revealed I believe in this and I can say this because that was my case I was too deep into my pride I really believed that I got it all and I really believe that I can do everything in my own strength you know I grew up in a household where my parents allowed me to be independent my grandparents taught me so many things in my head I'm like super equipped but that's not the truth that is not the truth I didn't realize that my dream university and program is sucking the life out of me and it's changing my views and I don't mean to I don't mean to 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 speak ill of any organizations but there I was convinced that abortion is okay that same-sex marriage is okay there I was convinced that my body my choice I was convinced that I don't need a man, that as a woman, I could be the head of the household. I was convinced that way. I didn't realize that the things that I am learning are corrupting my values and views in my life. I didn't even realize that the relationship I was was so toxic that I, that I actually was accepting abuse. So, you know, church, when God brings his rebuking and punishments on us, do not think that it's because he is a God who is just angry and mad at his people all the time. I know we say this over and over and over again, but somehow we always relapse in thinking that God is this way. We always relapse in God is thinking that God is this way. That he's always mad and he, he's just waiting for you to trip. He's waiting for you to mess up so he can punish you. We also say God is loving. Like, like it doesn't make sense. But you know, God is rebuking us. It's because he is gracious. So when you receive a sickness, that is grace. When we receive a rebuking, that is love. Amazingly so, even in the worst of our mistakes are still miracles in the making. God pulled me out of my dream school and program. And I remember I was pleading to God that I'm so exhausted and I'm so depressed. So, you know, in return, he's like, yeah, you're going to go to a Bible school. And I really thought he's just going to make my good grades, you know, miraculously pass. I was in UFT, so competitive. Like maybe like, I don't know. I was just waiting for a big miracle to happen and to kind of finish the program. And it hurt because I wanted to keep UFT because it's a status quo. Whether you say it or whether you admit it or not, they say, oh, you're from UFT, probably a smart girl. And it's a status quo I had here. It's like a badge I wore. I literally wore only UFT shirts for like a year. And it was so hard when God was like, yeah, you're going to go to Canada Christian College in Whitby. There's no TTC there. <laughs> like it doesn't make sense and it was so bad that I was really sad but you know as a Christian I have to follow so I followed God removed me from the relationship I was in and I remember telling God God but I gave you a lot like can't, can't I just keep this can't I just keep this thank God that God pulled me out of that because I didn't know that I was getting cheated on 
And the job that I thought would pan through, well, pandemic happened. All of us lost our job. And when I came back, they're like, oh, no, we want to have a fresh start and everything. Good luck your way. And then that's when I realized, okay, I'm, I'm starting a new university, so all my timeline has been pulled back. I don't have a job, so it means that I have to ask my parents again for money. And I have a relationship. I'm, like, super single and sad. And there was so much pain. And it felt like, fun fact, I don't like plants, but I'm going to use a plant um, thing. I'm, I'm scared of plants. But I learned from our class that when you pull up a plant, the, the term uproot, it's not just kind of like yank it. Like, you really have to go deep and get everything. And that's what I felt like. I felt like I was being uprooted from the ground. There was so much pain from all the undoing that I have built for myself. But again, even in the worst of my mistakes are still miracles in the making. I was waiting for a big miracle to happen when I was in university. But if it wasn't for God putting me through all the things that I went through, I wouldn't be here standing today in front of you. I wouldn't have met Pastor Daniel. Woo! <laughs> and most importantly, I wouldn't have experienced all the amazing things I'm experiencing now. I wouldn't have seen God the way he wants me to see him. I will not know him the way he wants me to be known if had I not been through all that. So church, if you were going through a punishment today, I would encourage you to not give up and to keep pressing forward. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Instead, when we go through, and I know it's easier said than done, renew your mind when you're in the midst of a situation. Reappraise your thoughts. Be excited instead because this is an opportunity for, for you to see how God will move in an extraordinary way. And I just want to share a little thing that Pastor Daniel and I have developed in our relationship since we've been friends, dating, and now that we are married. Every time that we come into a disagreement, we do not allow it to be just any other disagreement. We, dis we, we do not allow it to be just any other argument where we're just like, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to it. And then it never gets resolved. It's very unnatural because, again, when we are prideful, you, you don't want to admit to your mistakes. You don't want to be like, but, but I did this. You, 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 you tend to put the blame on somebody else. But every time this happens... I thank God that he's shown me. I thank Jesus that he has shown me humility that I was able to um, humble myself. And same with Pastor Daniel. That we have, that every time something like this is going on, we make sure that in everything that we go through, there is a lesson we could take or else it's a loss. There should be an information that we could hold on to. We have to make sure that we learn something and that we can change or improve ourselves after. We don't just say sorry and do it again. Though it is very hard, it is again a constant decision. It's not very passive, it's an active decision. In the same way, church, do not let your situation, your rebuking, your revelation, your issues, just to be another one of them. Make sure that we learn from it and see what God wants us to see from that and how God wants us to move forward from it. And last but not the least, I would like to talk about the third P. It's purpose. It said here, let her be shut out of the camp for seven days and after she may be received again. God did heal Miriam, right? If she were still a leper, she would not have been allowed to remain in the camp. You know, like, you know, when we had COVID and people had COVID, they stay inside and they're not back in society. Same thing. Yet God allowed her to live, 
to live, God allowed her to live with the outward display of her inward heart for seven days. And this allowed for the whole nation to know it. Another thing that I really, really love about God is that in the situations that we experience, his glory always gets revealed. His glory is always shown. Nothing is in vain. In Miriam's situation, even though she was a leper, and you know, during those times, usually leprosy does not get healed, and lepers are not allowed back in. Because if you know, even in the stories in the New Testament, where the lepers are like, God, I just want to touch your hand, because they know they cannot be healed. And you know, if, if I'm an Israelite at the time, I'm putting myself, well, I don't think Miriam's gonna get healed. Might as well just keep going, right? Just leave her. But wow, seven days. She was healed back again. And she was still accepted back in their camp. This shows how great and God's love and mercy is to her. It revealed how God, how great God is. That whole situation that Miriam went through revealed God's glory. Revealed God's might. So the things that we experience in our life. In our lives, it serves a purpose. And it serves a purpose for others to see. Nothing is in vain when it comes to the Lord. How amazing is that? Doesn't that give you comfort? Doesn't that give you hope? That when I go through hardships, I know that it's not in vain. And if we believe in that, and if we renew our mind, that you know what, nothing that I do is in vain, I think the way we... Um, we overcome things will be different. The way we approach things will be different if we know that Jesus, if we know that God is for us. So as I near the end of my message, I know, short and sweet like me. <laughs> I want to share with you one of my all-time favorite verses. 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10. It said here, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I went through the uprooting that God did in me, life did not suddenly become easy and bright. And that's something I would like to tell you, church, that this is not a prosperity story. This is not all good. This is not all fun, bright. It's not. The truth is, when God uprooted me, it was hard. It was difficult and it was painful. Because I mean, to be fair, remember how I said that God is holy and everything that I do has a consequence? Well, that was it. That's why it was hard. It was painful. On top of that whole uprooting thing and that same season, my family went through a big ordeal. A problem that I never thought my family would go through. Never imagined in a thousand years. I got a, sick, I got a sickness like Miriam, that has always been on the back seat. It's always just been there. I knew it was there, but I never like acknowledged this illness that I got. But this time, it stepped up and it made itself known. In 2020, I got diagnosed with depression and anxiety. I went to my doctor because I had a panic attack for the first time in my life. And I was not able to sleep for seven days straight. I was desperate. Like, I just want to sleep, and then, you know, you get, like, two minutes, and then you're back at it again. And it, it was so painful. I had a very, very bad episode that I have attempted ending my own life multiple times. But the last one that I did, I got so scared of myself that I actually called a hotline for help. And the thing about, like, Toronto, like, hotlines and all that, they kind of assess your situation. And apparently, I hit all of it. And 
immediately they paired me with a therapist. I have been on medication since 2020, and I only stopped completely last year. I did stop though. Majority of this, I fought on my own. No family, no friends, no churchmates knew about this. I, in, I only disclo disclose details to my closest and closest of friends, but only details that I'm comfortable with. But amazingly, now I can talk about it. What you guys do not know is that during that time, I got nobody but God. And that's what I felt. No words from anyone can lift up my soul. Nothing, no pills, no sounds can help me fall asleep. I got no one but God. And you know, a lot of the things that we experience today when they say, hey, you got depression, you're probably not praying enough. Hey, you got depression, you probably have like strongholds in your life. Maybe, but to me that wasn't the case. My depression was the enemy's attempt to bring me down. But God used it for good. So I will hold in to him even harder. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said I'm his. You know, people would think that being depressed or having depression is such a pitiful thing to have. But no. Just like, in first, just like Paul, I boasted on my weakness because God's glory is shown even more. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For the first time in my life, because through my depression, I was able to put down a part of, big, big part of my life to God. I was able to put down my pride, my control to God. From I can do it to only God can. Because when I was depressed, nobody can help me. And that's when I saw I only have God. I, I only have God. I, I can't do anything. I cannot do anything. I did this, I did this, I did that. I went to therapy. I had pills over pills. I had, I had so many, I had counseling and everything and nothing worked. But only when I would commune with God out of desperation, only I get to rest. God also taught me in humility to live with an open hand. That things that we have in life is not just ours. It's still his. And you know why I love Jesus so much? Because he has made my life worthwhile. When Ecclesiastes said that everything else in life is meaningless, I agree with that. I agree with that. But because Jesus lived, but because Jesus lived, all of a sudden, I have a purpose. He had made everything that I do moving forward have a purpose. I could have just stayed outside the camp, right? I could have just stayed there sick. But no. God showed me how much he loves me and how I have so much to live for. He invited me back in. I had to go through all that because he's holy. He wants me to see. He wants me to put down things in my life to him, to surrender things to him. And he healed me. So now I'm ready to come back in. Praise the Lord. Whenever I, I come across this section of the Bible or this story, I do not see a story of a person making a mistake, God punishing them, and, you know, like the good old plot line. Instead, I see a God who, despite our failures, still loves us and still wants us. Still wants the best for us. I see so much love, grace, and mercy in, such, in just 16 verses. I see a God who wants to complete his people. I see a God who wants to heal his people. And I see a God who is sovereign. And I see a God who loves. I have titled this message, Miracles in the Making. You know, church, I am not here 
to, di to dictate you or to tell you how to live your life. I am only here to share my testimony and the things that I have learned. I am only here to share that because that's the message God placed in my heart. That even in the worst of my mistakes are miracles in the making. So if you are here today and you carry a sickness with you, this is the perfect time to remember that God is for you. If you have a member of your family, a friend, a loved one, someone you care for who bears a sickness like that, it is not too far-fetched for his love. Just look at Miriam and the tens and thousands of people in the Bible and around you who have gone through mistakes over and over and over again. This message and my testimony, I hope that it may serve as a message to some people who believe that they are no longer worthy and should remain outside the camp. This message can also serve as a reminder to those who are not outside the camp to stay inside the camp. But the end of it all, when we make a mistake, again, the words of our mistakes are still miracle in the making. If there's anything that I want you to take away from this message, Pastor Daniel, you can come in and help me. If there's anything that I want you to take away from this message, it is that God is worth our life to surrender to. God is worth following. He is worth our dreams. He is worth our plans. He is worth the good and the bad. He is worth the beautiful and the ugly. He is so worth surrendering our lives to. His words and promises are to be trusted. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.